This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Guess what? We're back after about a month and a half of a break, and we're starting a series that looks at the influencer economy and how it has shaped modern Christianity. In other words, how has a culture of media saturation and celebrity impacted us? The way we do church and how we interact online. That's what we're looking at across this new series. But first, have you ever gone to a fancy restaurant? Like a really fancy one? I don't run in those circles, but I do know that they want you to really taste the food, to experience it. Well, at those high-end restaurants, the goal is to slow down, to absorb the flavor. Before you start eating, they'll sometimes give you a lemon sorbet or some water crackers. Why? To cleanse your palate, to hit the reset button on your taste buds before you start eating. So it gets rid of the flavor of the coffee you drank or the gum you just finished chewing. So you can really taste the food. We're going to do the same thing here, but with our media consumption. We're going to do the unthinkable. We're going to take a time out from media, and I want to challenge you to join me. Consider this your lemon sorbet. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Darren, and this is truce. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Together, we're going to take a week off from our distractions. No social media, no television, no YouTube, no music, no radio. A week of silence. Your phone is going to go back to the Stone Age of just calling and texting. Of course, some of us need to use social media for work, You can tailor this to your needs. And I hesitate to call it a media fast because there are specific rules for fasting in the Bible, and we're not really going to stick to those. Let's just call this a timeout, which I know I desperately need. Let me tell you about my week, my average week. I'm a full-time school bus driver, at least until this podcast really takes off. All right, 6.10 in the morning, just roll out of bed. Deeper voice. First thing we heard, an alarm and a song. Here we go. Freezing cold in the morning here, and uh, Nick and I are in the car on the way to work. 
I'm going to put on a little music, I think, just to mix it up instead of the podcast. Okay, so I'm in the bus, and uh, I've got like a 40-minute bus drive here uh, with no kids on it. Uh, 40 minutes just to get to the first kid, so that means I'm going to listen to a podcast. Got a little Bluetooth speaker, a little hands-free thing, and uh, yeah, that'll keep me going. Okay, so I just turned on my phone, and as per usual... I got distracted and did not do the thing I was looking to do. And it is negative two degrees outside, which means it's warm enough for me to go skate skiing. And uh, I'm going to be listening to a podcast during the whole thing, which should be about an hour. So big media day. All right, so I was able to find a few minutes between driving them to their field trip and going back to school. So I was able to sneak home real quick and have lunch. I made lunch, I watched a little bit of Parks and Recreation on Hulu, and um, I'm editing this exact episode that you're listening to. Alright, so it's 7.30 at night. Um, I drove the rest of the route. I had 45 minutes of podcast usage on that route on the afternoon, and then I just hiked up the mountain and skied down it behind my house, Um, and I listened to podcasts and music the whole way. I guess that's enough to say that I listen to a lot of media. And... Maybe so do you. We fill all of these extra moments in our day with noise. For whatever reason. For me, it's so I can take my mind off of all those other things I could, or should, be thinking about. So I'm taking a week off, and I hope you'll join. If you go to trucepodcast.com and enter your email address in the subscribers box, first of all, I won't spam you. Second, you will be sent a link to an easy-to-read PDF version of this curriculum that you can download and print off as many times as you like. As you complete each day, reflect on your progress, and if you're feeling bold, record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me at trucepodcast at yahoo.com. I'm working on a follow-up to this episode, and I'd love to include your feedback and experiences. Okay, day one, the big leap. We're going cold turkey. No social media, unless you need it for work. No television, no radio, podcasts, music, none of it. According to Nielsen, the average American spends four hours and ten minutes a day watching television. One hour and 46 minutes with the radio on. And two hours and 22 minutes on the smartphone every day. And of course, some of that overlaps, but think about all that time. There is nothing inherently wrong with spending our time that way, but I think it's good to take an inventory of our lives from time to time. Not only do our devices take our attention away from our families, from praying or getting involved in our communities, it also means that we're never really bored. And if we're never bored, we're not really stopping to think through our lives, our decisions, our surroundings. We're not really processing everything. It just kind of happens and we move on. Our consumption habits also mean that there's a big chunk of time when we are being influenced. For example, 30 Rock is one of my favorite TV shows. I just finished watching it all the way through again for the fourth or fifth time. It's what we might consider a pretty tame show compared to like Game of Thrones, but almost every episode includes some discussion of sex, usually in unhealthy and addictive ways, which can be tough for a guy who is trying to keep healthy thoughts about the subject. 
And that's true for older shows like Seinfeld, Friends, and Sex and the City, as well as current shows. Taking in all of those messages means that I may be tempted to think that having as much sex as I can is the highest calling in mankind. It can, given the right conditions, break down the healthy barriers in my life that keep me from straight-up hedonism. Seeing all those skinny and buff celebrities can spur body image issues, or ideas that I'm a weirdo for waiting until marriage. Day one, just enjoy the silence and think. Really think about your media habits and what they're changing about you. What is your media secretly trying to sell you? How does your media benefit from you watching? When was the last time you were really bored? In a good way. Which brings us to day two. We're going to do an inventory of our phones. This is easier if you have an iPhone. All you have to do is go to settings and scroll down to where it says screen time. Screen time is the relatively new feature that quantifies all of your actions on the phone while the screen's on. How much time you spend, where you spend it. Open up screen time and see what it says for one day. Then for the last seven days. By doing this, you'll get a clear picture of where your time goes. Take an honest inventory of your habits. What do you see there? How do you feel about the time you spend on your phone? What does it say about you? And where does your time go? Here, would you just go ahead and check it and let me know. I'm okay, well, we'll, we'll do it together. <laughs> What's my grade? Oh, so you spend about how many hours per day? Two hours and 37 minutes a day. Does that seem about right? Yeah, with as much as I'm talking and texting, yeah, media, absolutely. Does that, does that seem high? No, you're actually, uh, the American average is two hours and 22 minutes. Okay. So you're right just above average. Okay. And I, we all knew you were just above average. So you spent six hours and five minutes of screen time on messages this week. A week. That's yep. incredible. That makes sense. So that is most of my communication with people here. Did you know that 31% of Americans are online almost constantly? And that according to Nielsen, the average American spends 84 minutes a day on social media. That is a lot of time. For those of us who are Christians, let me offer this little challenge. Now that you know how much time you spend on your phone, compare that to how much time you spend volunteering at church or discipling others. Many of us think we're too busy to mentor someone or teach Sunday school. What if we just shifted our priorities a little bit? Now that you see hard numbers, do you think you could change your habits? Remember, these numbers don't include all the time you spend watching a separate television or listening to your car radio. We're just looking at phone time. Your numbers might be much higher. Day three. This one is kind of scary. Are you ready for this? Leave your phone at home for the whole day. I know what you're thinking. What if I get in an emergency situation? Well. Think about that for a second. Look around you right now. Maybe you're driving a car, sitting on a bus, out for a walk. How many telephones are around you right now? How about when you're at work or at school? There could literally be hundreds of phones within your field of vision right now. I decided to do a little test on this myself. Hey, hey, hey. Hey ladies, I hate to interrupt. I'm doing an interview for my podcast. 
just a little bit. I'm interested. There's one, two, three, four, five of you at the table. How many of you have cell phones with you? All of us. All of you? Uh, yeah. All five. All five people. Do you ever feel comfortable? Are you comfortable leaving your phone at home? No. No. Is there a reason why? Working kids. Working kids. Okay, so over at this table, I've got one person sitting here. I'm doing a recording for my podcast. I see you have a cell phone. Do you ever go anywhere without your phone? Uh, yeah, lots of places. Really? Yeah. You don't feel like you have to take your phone with you everywhere? Like, you don't feel, do you feel naked without your phone? Well, when I run, I wear really short shorts that don't have pockets, and so I can't bring my phone with me when I go for runs. Okay, so I see I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight visible phones in this room. So if you leave your phone at home, worst case scenario, you could make a new friend by asking to borrow their phone. This day is going to take some coordination for some of us. It might mean working out your schedule in advance with your spouse or kids. Remember, just 20 years ago, almost all of us went around without cell phones all the time. There are going to be some exceptions, of course. Maybe you have to have the phone with you because of work. Fine but find some time today to turn it off, completely off and out of reach. Maybe go out to dinner with some friends and leave your phone at home. It's hard at first, but you can do this. You can. Day four. Maybe you're like me and you're a little stressed out about how many apps are on your smartphone. How do you feel when you look at your phone? Can you find things? Did you know that the average smartphone has 80 apps installed on it? 80! My phone had almost 70 when I did this inventory and 34 of those were pre-installed, cluttering everything up. Worse still, I know which apps take up my time and which ones are a temptation for me. Today we're going to identify at least one app that causes us stress or brings us temptation and we're going to delete it. Maybe we're going to delete a lot of our apps. Candy Crush, anybody? Fortnite? Pinterest? Which one is doing you more harm than good? Figure it out and get rid of it. Day five, news. We love it, or we hate it, or we love to hate it. According to the Pew Research Center, 20% of Americans often get their news from social media while 68% of us get at least some of it from there. Where does your news come from? This could be hard to hear, but every media source has a bias of some kind. And it's okay to embrace that fact. Even if you find the most cut and dry, bare bones, facts only story, it will contain some kind of bias. Because we demonstrate our bias not just in how we cover a story, but also in which stories we choose to cover in the first place. For example, how often do we as Americans hear stories that have nothing to do with America? Rarely, because we don't like news about people in other countries, let's face it. If we hear about them, it's usually only in context of how they affect us. If we're in conflict with them, or we're getting migrants from them, or their allies like Britain and France. This changes how we see the world. In the U.S., we get a strong dose of America bias from liberal and conservative outlets. When was the last time you heard a story about, I don't know, Moldova or Ecuador? 
We like news about us that affects us. We don't really care as much if it doesn't impact our daily lives. Our challenge today is to ingest no news, or at least try not to. In doing this, you may notice how often it comes at us uninvited. My Firefox web browser automatically selects stories for me every time I open it, and I didn't set that feature up. My coworkers tell me what's in the local paper without me having asked, and sometimes when I ask them not to. When you hear news, consider the bias. Why did they choose that headline over another one? Does this news outlet stand to gain something from the way they approach the stories? I opened up the website for ABC News so that we could look at this together. The headline was, Trump's speech was the Hollywood equivalent of a doomed remake. Trump's speech was the Hollywood equivalent of a doomed remake. This is a reference to the video address that the president did discussing the government shutdown and the wall between Mexico and the United States. All right, let's burn the obvious. This was probably written by someone who wasn't so fond of the Trump presidency. But let's see if we can move past that. This story was on the homepage of ABC News. Top story. A quick check reveals, by the way, that the BBC has a similar top story. Even their secondary story, that Jeff Bezos is getting a divorce, is the same secondary story. All three of Fox News' top stories are also about the speech and the border wall. Bezos is number eight, but he's still on the homepage. What do these outlets have to gain? Ad revenue, which they get from our clicks and our views. Apparently, it's these kinds of stories about Donald Trump that get those clicks for them. Not the stories about Muslims being locked away in camps in China. Really, look up that story. It should be on the front page of every newspaper every day. Of course, even that statement I just made shows a lot about my personal bias. So think about where the bias is in your media. What is it and how does it shape you? Do you ever get outside opinions? Or do you like the safety of your little bubble? If we know the bias of our news outlets, we can better filter it out to see what's worth keeping and what can go out with the trash. Day six, we're almost there. And I like this day. When I was in college, I got really good at running away from long conversations. I was under the impression that nobody really wanted to go beyond small talk with me. I tried to keep talks to less than two minutes, and this was subconsciously. So I made up excuses to leave every time I thought we were going on a little too long, or that I thought the other person was getting bored with me. How was I going to build lasting relationships or share the gospel if I kept running away from people? It wasn't going to happen. So I challenged myself. I would not be the person to end a conversation. I had to stand there until the other person walked away. It was so hard at first, but I immediately saw results. Once we got past two minutes, the conversations got deeper and the relationships grew much stronger. Today, I want you to have a conversation, a real face-to-face -face conversation. It doesn't have to be planned or even with a friend or loved one. Just talk. I do have a few rules, though. Your phone cannot come out, not even to sit on the table. 
it has to be completely out of sight. Studies have shown that even having a phone visible deteriorates the level of discourse in a conversation. The second rule is, you can't end the talk. You have to stay there until the other person stops. This could mean, gasp, a five-minute conversation. Maybe 10 minutes. Third, don't do this over the phone or computer. Find someone to talk to in person and stick with it. Notice how you react. Do you find yourself wanting to leave? Does your friend seem to be enjoying this process? Can you move beyond pleasantries and ask meaningful questions? Remember, you're not going to be as effective as you could be in ministry if you can't slow down and listen and have a real conversation. Day 7. Our final day. Today, we're going to do something special. We're going to pray for 25 minutes. Believe me, I didn't think it was possible the first time I did it. How do you fill 25 whole minutes with prayer? And where do you even find the time? Maybe you've got to get up half an hour early for this one, or stay up late, or sit in your car during your lunch break, but find the time. Here's the plan. Go to a quiet place where you can be alone. Bring a Bible and a notebook in case you want to look something up or write something down. Also, bring a timer. If you use your phone, turn it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted. You can write down your prayers, say them out loud, or sing them if you want to. Whatever. But do it. We're going to do five five-minute sessions. First, five minutes of praise. Tell God how great He is. Name some of the things that He's done that are amazing, that set Him apart. This might be a good chance to flip through the Psalms to get some ideas. Next, it's five minutes of confession. Get right with God. Confess your sins, the anger in your heart, the lust you've been holding on to. Get it all out. Take 20 minutes if you want to, but be honest. Healing starts with confession. Third, it's five minutes of thankfulness. What are you thankful for? Maybe it's your family, your friends, your job, whatever. This is a good time to see what God has done for you. Then, it's five minutes of your needs. Ask God to give you the things that you need. Some of us have a hard time doing this because we think we're being selfish. But ask. We're told in the Bible to ask God. So, do it. Finally, five minutes of prayer for other people. This could be for people you know or people you've just heard of. I want to raise the bar on this one just a little bit. I'd encourage you to also pray for people you don't like. People who've hurt you. For whoever you think is the worst of the worst. Pray for those people too. Again, we're told to pray for our enemies. So, get to work. And that's it. Seven days without media. But it doesn't end here. Now that you've done this, try not to jump back into raw consumption all over again. Slow down. Try to embrace quiet moments as they come. As you start watching TV and movies again, ask yourself what kind of messages you're hearing from these programs. Are they building you up or tearing you down? Do the podcasts and music you listen to make you angry and depressed? How biased is your news? 
This whole exercise has been about us seeing that we can live without media, that more importantly, we can control it. Now go and do just that. Get rid of the things that cause you to sin. Maybe put your phone away when you're not using it. And remember, you can also leave it at home. If you find any of this helpful, please send me a note or better yet, record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to me at trucepodcast at yahoo.com. If you'd like a printable version of everything we've outlined here, go to trucepodcast.com and subscribe to my email list. You'll be emailed the curriculum for free and you can make as many copies as you like. You'll also get emails from me telling you from time to time what's new with the Truce Podcast. And I promise it's not a lot of emails. Thanks for joining this process. In the next episode, we'll be listening to people's reactions to this media timeout. Then, in future weeks, we'll learn about the rise of the influencer economy in Christianity, how we've become addicted to leadership, to celebrity, and how that can lead us into some pretty dark places. Once you're back online, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please share the show with your friends. Also, consider looking at my films Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls and my novel Cradle Robber. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.